Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but I woke with the key to hell on that day, the firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ laid. Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. It is so very good to be with you uh, uh, this morning. So right from the beginning, I just want to get a few things uh, out before the sermon. First, as you know, I am not an ordained preacher, right, I guess. But I've been told that I do like, really like microphones. So I don't know what that means. Maybe I'm like a preacher. Um, by the way, did you see me on KDKA? No, I was on KDK. <laughs> anyways, you know, anyway, you got to look it up. So anyways, on summer camps, it was kind of a fun thing. But um, <clears throat> for those of you that may not know, um, I've been the executive director at Pine Springs Camp for 15 years. So I have had the blessing of sharing in this ministry with Ellie, um, who uh, also works at camp. Um, she's the director of food service and cooks for 150 campers a day. Um, three times a day, and I quickly learned that the power of my executive directorship, uh, once I open the kitchen doors and step in, it, I release all that power, okay? so. Um, but she also runs women's ministry programs like her grandma's, mom's, and tots programs, and you will hear more about camp uh, afterwards uh, during our potluck. I'm looking forward to that. So a little disclosure, uh, I have done this sermon a couple of different times at uh, at various churches as I go, as Brian said, um, and kind of do my duties as the executive director. Um, but I realize that this is a little bit different one. This time it really is a little more personal, um, as I, for me and for Ellie. And, uh, Ellie, I'm not speaking for you, by the way. But, um, but what will, uh, but what I will be talking about is Paul's deep, deep desire for the body of Christ to be supporters and, and encouragers to each other. Because as Christians, uh, we are called to do so, and I believe this reflects the kingdom of God in a deep and profound way, right? And for me, the encouragement and support um, and love and care and empathy that we have received from many of you in this small congregation is really a huge blessing that is too um, kind of big to describe. I am grateful for what you have been to me and to Ellie, my family, and the ministry of Pine Springs Camp. For it has been a tangible reflection of God's kingdom to me. It's a foretaste of what God's kingdom is like. And and it strengthens my faith. It encourages me. It is a signpost to the fact that God loves me, That God is real. So thank you for being encouragers of the faith to Ellie and me. 
And I hope as we look at this Philippians passage um, that we will see how Paul is really look, uh, striving to encourage the Philippians um, in their faith, to walk with Christ as their example, um, to be a reflection of this kingdom to each other and to their community. And I will hopefully do that in about 20 minutes. Okay. So do you know, I, you know, I, I don't know if you're, but I'm going to try to say within 20, you know what it means when a preacher does this? Absolutely nothing. Right. Okay. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> um, so the encouragement, this word has been something that I have dwelled on for quite some time now. If there was one thing that I think that we learned during this time of COVID and we continue to learn, uh, but especially over the past two years, is that we all need to be encouraged, right? No matter what age we are, what job we have, I think, and especially for kids, and why I love being a camping ministry is that camp is an encouraging place and our kids need to be encouraged in their faith. I think that that happened to us, even in the midst of uh, even the, the turmoil, right? And I think that it happened in our congregation. The past two years, I know it's been difficult for all of us, both per- personally and as a congregation. But with COVID and coupled with some transitional things, trying to find a home, uh, so many encouraging things have happened. And sometimes I think it's easy to lose focus of that, right? Although it's been hard, I know that we had to rely and step up and encourage each other to do ministry, to continue to do ministry, um, to continue to refine and define our mission as a church, and to continue to encourage our ministry partnerships, right? So I just think over the past few years, one of the good things is that our ministry partnerships have been solidified in many ways. So we have VYN and we have, uh, we've had the opportunity to hear from Light, Light of Life and Common Grounds. And thankfully, thank you very much, Pine Springs Camp and Ligonier Camp. Uh, so that's one of the things in the past two years, uh, just, I have been a recipient, Pine Springs has been a recipient, and of your encouragement through these past few years. So I think uh, even the congregation grew in scope and ministry, um, even maybe if we didn't grow in numbers, right? But hopefully that, you know, that, that is happening. But um, Hebrews, one of the uh, kind of a, uh, verses, it's one of my favorite verses is this. Hebrews 3.13, it says, Encourage one another daily, for as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. These words ring true, don't they, uh, today? And I think we all can attest that when we are not giving or receiving encouragement, it is easy for us to be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So as we look at this Philippians 2 passage, Paul is in fact encouraging the church in Philippi um, to be encouraging first to each other with a goal of receiving encouragement from who Christ is in their life. So let's see how Paul encourages the Philippians and what he says is their motivation um, behind that. So again, I've been captivated by this Philippians passage since around Christmas. As I, and as I reviewed it again, I thought it really is a great passage to be reminded um, for us as we just recently celebrated the resurrection of Christ. And we are now living on this side of the resurrection in, in the church calendar. 
But you see what it is really about is Paul's encouragement for the believers to follow the passion of Christ, to incorporate the passion of Christ in their lives, to live out the example of Christ who considered um, obedience to God above all else. And this obedience even led to death upon the cross. We will hopefully see, Paul is encouraging the Philippians to hear to what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. So as we live with the hope of the resurrection now, and as we are encouraging each other and others in, in the faith to follow Christ, let us take up our cross in service to God and to others, and let us take up the cross of Christ and have the cross before us, around us, surrounding us, and in us as our motivation. And this is really what it means to the greatest commandment, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I think this is what Paul is urging the Philippians to do, to deny themselves, to take up the cross of Christ, to encourage one another, and to follow the example that Christ had. Uh, had for for them. For the new followers in the Philippians Church of Jesus Christ, and for us now, Paul says that there is a new way. And Brian and I didn't even talk about this, um, but uh, there is a new way. Uh, and the, Because it says, Jesus says, that the world will know you, by, uh, will know me through you. And as we read in John 13, 35, it says a new commandment, I give you that you love one another just as I loved you. You also should love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have one, uh, love one another. So again, this tangible reflection of God's kingdom here on earth as it should be in heaven is that we love one another, that the body of Christ loves one another. It is how the body of Christ serves and cares and loves each other. And the way we do this, as the Philippians says, is he mentions a couple things. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and consider others better than ourselves. And to be deeply, because of that, to be deeply connected to our Savior Jesus Christ, who is an example of how we should do that. So how will we honor Christ, Paul says? I love Paul because Paul is emotional, right? He says, you know what, Philippians? This is what would make my joy complete. Would make make my joy complete is to be humble followers of Christ and to live out the example that he had for us. Paul implores them to live in humility by considering others above themselves because this is what Christ did for you. For this is how the kingdom of God will be experienced and will be spread upon all the earth. What Micah 6.8 alludes to this. Some very active words in Micah 6.8. It says, living in the kingdom is this. What does the Lord require uh, thee to do? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Living in the kingdom for the king is exactly that. And this is what Paul is saying. To live humbly, to act justly, to consider others better than yourself, and to walk humbly with with God. So as you look at Philippians, uh, the first part, verses 1 through 4, Paul focuses on what they should do. 
And in verses 5 through 11, he says, you should do this because he outlines what Christ did for them. You see, Paul is addressing the church in Philippi because evidently there was some disunity. There was some conflict. Maybe unlike, you know, maybe like today, as, as uh, you know, we deal with all, you know, kind of the things that are happening in the church. And I came across this quote from William Barclay, and it says this about this passage. It says, the one danger which threatened the Philippian church was that of disunity. There is a sense in which that is the danger of every healthy church. It is when people are really earnest in their beliefs, and their beliefs really matter to them, that they are apt to get up against one, one another. The greater their enthusiasm, the greater the danger they have that, that they may collide. It is against this danger Paul wishes to safeguard his friends. And I was struck that uh, these words that even in healthy churches with earnest desire, even in healthy churches with earnest desire, that maybe the church is apt to be uh, to come up against one another. And maybe, as the Hebrews passage says, that we can become hardened by sin. And it was reminded to, to me that even in the midst of our sincere and what we think are righteous beliefs, we need to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and that's the way we will be lifted up. And I think Paul would say that his desire... His deep desire would be that people that are making up the church in Philippi live this pattern of humble service to Christ and to each other. For he says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So the assumption here is this. Maybe Paul is saying that we have a propensity to be selfish. He's encouraging them not to be selfish. Living rightly for Christ means that we must realize that we are sinful. That the church is made up of sinful people, and sin is in all of us, and that there is a danger, there is a danger even, even when we are earnest in what we think um, is right, that there is a danger that we may want to advance ourselves, that we want to elevate our importance. And Paul mentions that to consider others better than ourselves. And when I read this, and when I continue to read this, this confronts my sinfulness. And I think it should call me and call us to repentance daily, to rely on the fact that we, at the very basis, are forgiven people by Jesus Christ. Because it hits to the core of who we are. It hits to the core of where our identity is. And our identity is not in who we are, or it's not in what we do, but whose we are. And that is that we are forgiven, forgiven sinners saved by grace through faith alone and not by any of our works. You see, this was the sin of Adam and Eve to elevate themselves above, above God. This was the sin of the Pharisees. And this is the original sin in all of us, that we want to take the lead in our life. Sometimes this is manifested in what we think will bring happiness, a new car, but the feeling kind of excitement diminishes the moment you take it off, uh, drive onto, you know, Highway 30 off the parking lot. Or we think happiness will be our status in society or the jobs that we have or, um, in, uh, or in what we covet from our neighbor even and comparing our lives, wishing 
that we had with what others had, right? We compare so many things in our life. I know I'm guilty of this, including our children, including, uh, uh, you know, what other families, we think that their lives are more put together. And we become obsessed in thinking and wishing we had other things in our life. And what we are doing by that is we are not putting others above ourselves. Because, and we are stealing the joy that we should have for others. We are, uh, and, and what, what happens is that we rob the joy of ourselves and we rob the joy of others. We become jealous. And just like the Hebrews passage says, that our hearts will be hardened by this sin. And this morning, Ellie just reminded me of the great theologian, Teddy Roosevelt, in his quote, says, comparison is the thief of joy. And I'm reminded that this reflects a deep commitment for us to consider others above ourselves and to do nothing out of uh, selfish ambition or vain conceit. It's a deep commitment to fellow believers about working through differences, about recognizing that what the most important thing is. In Colossians 3, 12 through 13, Paul encourages us. He says this, listen to the, God's word. He said, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, listen to these words, compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, humility, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord forgave you, forgive one another. This verse, once again, Paul is imploring um, the Colossians, but also the Philippians to live unselfishly. And something I fear today that we may be lacking within the body of Christ. But you know, we, ne- we need to start now. We need to start with those words of compassion and kindness and meekness, humility, patience, and remembering that we are forgiven, therefore we can forgive others. You know, you think of what's happening today in technology. And I think one of the, the sad things is that we have become isolated. It's easy to become isolated and disconnected. And we think that we're connected. Our kids think they're connected and they're projecting an image that is not real. And so when they comes to conflict or they can project to be the persona of anything that they want, they can do Snapchat chats and, and, uh, you know, Instagram and project things and even us. Especially during this time, we have a tendency maybe not to engage, maybe not to concentrate on those, uh, those words of compassion, humility, and kindness, and meekness. And we get polarized. I don't want to get political here, but it's easy to become polarized, right? And the God's Word says, come together, discuss, and forgive. Because why? Because the Lord forgave us. And that's what the Philippians passage is talking about. So as we live out the gospel every day, this is how we do it. We should try to seek to do nothing out of selfish ambition and to consider others better than ourselves. And in verse 5 through 11, he says, Paul says, why do you do this? It's because you have an example in Christ that did this to the ultimate degree. You see many commentators say 
that these verses are probably one of the most moving of all of what Paul wrote. It is an impassioned plea to lay their ambitions aside, to humbly serve Christ, and points them to his example. For the passage says that the kingdom is not about power. It's not about prestige. It's not about one-upmanship. In fact, it's totally the opposite. It's this upside-down kingdom, right? Where other scripture says that in this upside-down kingdom, the first shall be last, the lonely will be exalted, and Christ will leave unexplicably to leave the 99 to find the lost one. This is the essence of the life of Christ. And there are so, there's so much in verses 5 through 11, just two things that I think uh, it highlights that I think it would be uh, do us well to focus uh, upon. The first thing is that Christ, Jesus emptied himself of all that was rightfully his. And the second thing is that because of this, our response should be that we should proclaim that Jesus is Lord. If you look at verses 7 through 8, it says, Jesus emptied himself and became one of no reputation. This is the, the Christmas and Easter story uh, combined. That Jesus was God in human form. It did not seek to clutch or grasp being equal with God, but laid down his life for the sake of others and in obedience to God. He emptied himself like a, 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 a water being poured out of a glass. This is the uh, sacrifice of the incarnation that led to the sacrifice, uh, sacrifice of the cross, where Jesus would suffer the ultimate emptiness by bearing our sins, bearing the sins of the world, and being separated from God so that we could experience the presence of God. Right? That's the gospel in a nutshell. And in between his birth and death, he set this example that he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, as Mark 10.45 says. And this should stop us in our tracks. It should make us resolute to follow the example of Jesus, to love God and to love others, the greatest commandment. It should compel us now more than ever to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and to consider others above ourselves as we work to reflect the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. To be the followers of Christ in this crazy, mixed-up world, even when we don't understand everything that is happening, we do understand that we need to put others' needs first because this is what Christ did for us. And so lastly... As we follow that uh, in Philippians, um, verse 11 may be the most important verse of the Bible. To be followers of Christ means that we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This was the first creed of the Christian church. Simple, yet profound and all-embracing. Jesus Christ is Lord. For us and for anyone to confess this means that we are prepared to give him full obedience. To say that we will only give you our allegiance, not anyone or anything else. For us to say Lord and Savior means, again, we acknowledge the fact that we are sinners saved by grace and there's nothing we can do on our own to be saved. So one of the things, kind of on a personal note in, in closing, 
Um, I love the Anglican form of worship. I never thought I would be Anglican. I never, you know, uh, or Episcopal, you know. Um, uh, growing, <clears throat> just, uh, I committed my life to Christ. It was, uh, in, in high school, was involved in non-denominational churches. I came out, uh, uh, worked for the CCO, became involved with a Presbyterian church, and we were Presbyterian. And when we moved to, to Ligonier, we became involved with St. Michael's. And it made a profound impact on us. Not necessarily because of anything except the body of Christ, right? And that body of Christ continues to reflect the kingdom to me and to Ellie um, and my family um, currently, right? So um, one of the things I do love about the Anglican worship is this. Every Sunday, every time we gather, we come forward as a body of believers, right? We walk down the aisle and we recognize that we are sinners saved by grace. And that unites us. And I think there is something special as we go forward together to receive the elements and be reminded that Jesus emptied himself, as Paul said, was obedient to the Father's will, as Paul said, even to death of on the cross, and that we are walking on this journey together. Many times I watch people come down the aisle. And I'm reminded of what, how important the body of Christ is. I'm reminded that um, of those that surrounded me in prayer. I'm reminded of the heartbreak and heart that we have walked through together. Right. So, um, I, I promise I wouldn't, you know, do this, um, but. But um, many times I watch people down the aisle and they kneel. I'm overwhelmed that, of the connectedness that we have because of the sacrifice of Christ. It reminds me of how special the body of Christ is, that it is a tangible reflection of the kingdom. And I try to remember that it's not about me, that this walk down the aisle is a reminiscent of, a journey, of our journey of faith that we come to the cross together, that we lift one another up in prayer, that we consider others above ourselves. And it echoes that we should be glad that we are part of the family of God. And it reminds me that I don't know where I would be without the influence of so many of you in my life, in my walk with the Lord. So it helps me in my fears, it helps me in my struggles, it helps me in my doubt, and it helps me celebrate my joys. Because my joys are your joys, and your joys are my joy. When we are following Christ and seeking Him above all else. So let us commit each day to wake up and say, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I will serve you, and part of that is serving others. And I will endeavor to love mercy that you displayed upon the cross. I will endeavor to act justly in my actions towards others, and uh, and my desire to consider others' needs before mine. I will walk humbly in obedience to you. For as the end of Philippians says, 
that one day this is how, as we do this together, how we will hold out the word of life. How we will hold out the word of life. And we have a promise at the end of Philippians says that we will shine like stars because we are children of God and part of this holy family. Amen. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, lay down in green, with the keys, fell on that day, firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ Ligonier, Pennsylvania.